Thank you for joining us today at Our Savior's Church, where we are one church meeting in six different locations. We hope that today's message encourages and empowers you on your spiritual journey and helps you grow deeper in your relationship with God. To learn more about Our Savior's Church or how you can get involved, you can visit us online at OurSavior'sChurch.com. Look at you beautiful mamas. Y'all sit. I'm standing for you today. The unsung heroes. Before I start, the Lord specifically asked me to hold space for those that this day is not very happy. So if you'll go with me just for a second, I want to honor every woman here. Listen, women are special. Do you know every single human being has to come from woman? The son of God came from woman. (laughs) We're pretty unique. Um, It's funny, that little bitty young girl that God chose to bring forth the son of God. She delivered the son of God and the son of God delivered her. And there's something super special about what children do to us. They change us. Um, And so really, I want to honor every woman here. I want to honor the mamas that are grieving their mamas. I know some of my best friends have lost their mamas. And if only they had a landline to call heaven. I'll hold space for you. To every single mama that a man was unfaithful and he left you with the responsibility and you being mama and daddy. I'm sorry he wasn't faithful to you, but God is faithful even when man isn't. In this house, we hold space for you. That's why we do what we do. To every stepmother, I'm a stepdaughter of 30 years, and my stepmom is a gift. And let us never forget that these women are born into, they're, they're, they participate into broken love stories. And... Um, they sacrifice, and I know my mother, my stepmother has chosen to love me, and it did something in me. And so men and people, that you would hold a space for stepmothers, they're powerful. To the special needs mamas, I'll hold space for you. You warn for your kid and doing things that only you can do, and so I want you to know that we see you. To the adopted moms, to the foster moms, I know that journey. I've been blessed with a foster daughter. And you're a hero. And thank you for sacrificially picking up the ball that someone drops so that a kid could have a chance. I appreciate you. I honor you. To the mamas whose heads and hearts are longing to be a mother, but their bodies aren't following suit. They're fighting a silent battle. And I pray that we're coming into an hour where the church helps these women heal. They're struggling. And if I'm being quite honest with you, they don't need our opinions. They're not helpful. I work with a lot of them. They got Google. They can figure out how to find out. They fighting harder than you'll ever know how to have their baby. And so today for you, hearing a Mother's Day story like this that just brings you angst, I'll hold space for you. As I went before the Lord, I said, I was waiting. I got here at 725. I was still waiting for a phone call for them to tell me that they were just joking. They had the wrong girl, you know, that didn't happen. So I'm glad I prepared. Um, But I went before the Lord and I said, Lord, who would you have me speak of today? Lord, what do you have for the mamas in this house? And immediately it was quickened in my spirit that he would have me tell you the story of Moses's mother. 
Now, she's not really listed in history. There's only a few verses that even say her name. Now, she is in Hebrews 11, which is like the hall of fame for the heroes, right? But she partnered with God to birth a very special boy. And today I'm going to tell you her story. And here's what I heard the Lord say. He said, Haley, this generation needs a Jochebed spirit. And it rattled me. And I wrote that down. And as I went before the Lord and he started to really unfold the story, I'm telling you, I've not been more challenged. I have not been more wrecked. I have not been more convicted in my own motherhood than I have been this week. And so I pray this word goes forth and blesses you. I would love to say a special blessing to the women in Lafayette Parish Correctional Center. Our spiritual mama was there yesterday loving on them and just spending time with them and investing with them. And um, at the end, when she told him Happy Mother's Day, there was just a silence. And when I heard that story, I went before the Lord and he said, Haley, would you tell them that they're not their mistakes? And I have a deep sense when I share this story with you that I pray by the spirit of the living God and encourages something in you. And I want to tell you that you are not your mistake. And yes, you sacrificed a season with your child to make amends for the choice that you made. And I pray that in this hour, you realize that this body has you and that you have a divine appointment to really get with God and reconcile some things. Because when you get out of there, your best days could be ahead with your child. And we have a seat for you at this house and we love you and we're for you and God sees you and he's working all things together for the good. And he had me tell you too, he knows that you did the best you could with what you had. Yeah. So I'm going to go ahead and pray for myself before I dive in because this story really, it, it, it does something very, it, it fires me up and I cannot wait to share it. I also asked the Lord for those of you that I know this is a hard day. I asked him to just release a balm, just a healing balm that for the moments that this would be heavy for you, that you would know that he's holding your heart. And I also asked him that you would have the ability to really hear this story from a place of hope and not from your pain. You hear that? I am incredibly honored to have this undeserved privilege to speak to you today and to call forth, listen, this is a different kind of message. This is a charge. And us mothers are rising up and we're taking our seat with Christ in the heavenly realm and we are raising the next heroes, heroes in the faith. Moses and Jochebed was no different. We have righteous seed and we have a job to do. And so I'm gonna go ahead and pray for myself first. <laughs> um, if you guys would bow your head, I'd appreciate it. Father, we just come before you and I just take hold of this moment. Lord, I take my seat with Christ in the heavenly realm and in my flesh, I'm undeserving to be here, but you've placed me here, you've appointed me, and God, I know that you will anoint me. I silence any voice, Lord, make this not about me. I thank you that you're flowing through me like a river. You have a word for your women today, and may you use me to deliver it. I thank you for every woman. Lord, only you know the battle she fights, but today I pray that you would hold her up and remind her that you are for her. And everything that's lacking in your motherhood, you will provide a double portion. In Jesus' name, I pray. So let me give you a little backstory, okay? I'm a storyteller. I love to tell stories. There's a lot of stories I'd love to tell you all today, but I only have limited time. And 
I really want him to maybe invite me back. And I think I've been on a good track. (laughs) So let me just tell you this. There is five books in the Bible called the Pentateuch. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. Those five books of the Bible were written by Moses, who is the most prolific leader in all of humanity. All of humanity. He is one of a kind. I am so enamored by his story. And to be honest with you, I've always feasted on his story because it builds my faith. Like I made a declaration to God. I'm like, what the enemy meant for aught in my life, God's going to turn it to good. And I just, I wanted a warrior spirit. So I love to dive into the word of God. And I'm going to be honest with you. I've never really taken note of where this man came from until this hour. And, um, So you have the five books of the Bible. Genesis is basically the overview of how God enters creation and he explains it. Then he enters humanity. We have Adam and Eve. A few generations skip. We bring up Abraham. Abraham, wow, he's a goat. He's not the goat, but he's one, one of the greatest of all times. And so Abraham had a son named Isaac. Isaac had a son named Jacob. Pastor Jacob says this over and over and over and over again, because there was a promise placed to Abraham and We're seeing that promise fulfilled right now. And through this story, I pray that you see Jacobed partnered with God to see this come to fruition. But you have Abraham, you have Isaac, you have Jacob. Jacob's name was turned into what? Israel. Israel. Good job. Um, Jacob also had a son. He had 12 sons. One was Joseph and one was Levi. Levi had a son named Amram. Amram is married to Jacobed. Jacobed is Moses' mother. Now... Jacobed is also Levi's sister, so Jacobed married her nephew. I know. They changed the laws. Don't get any ideas. We're not marrying our aunts, okay? That's how it was back then. So at the time, let me give you a little bit of landscape. So the people of God kind of got in this vicious cycle of the Lord comes through and he delivers for them and he shows out and then they kind of go into these cycles where they forget his goodness and then God sends a deliverer and it's this constant thing that we see in the Old Testament. So As I said, Genesis is the book where God is really working through a family. The book of Exodus is God really working through a nation. So as you move into the beginning of Exodus, it's really about Joseph, one of Jacob's sons, came into Egypt when the people of Israel came and settled into Egypt. They got into one of these cycles and he sent Joseph to come and to take them out of famine. And from that, Joseph's leadership really set the people of God into a place where they had peace for a while. And then all of a sudden, as the cycle would have it, mamas, we got to get out of cycles and we got to get into seasons. That was for someone. Um, I was the queen of cycles until I realized that No, God is a God of seasons, and one season brings you to the next. When you're in a vicious cycle, we've got to break out of cycles to really get through seasons, because seasons are healthy, and they prepare you for the next one. Um, So here you go. You have Joseph. He comes in, and he gets the Israelites out of starvation, and then all of a sudden, there's a they all kind of, um, Joseph leadership goes away, and there's a new Pharaoh in town. Now, I find this very fitting. Pharaoh means big house, not white house, big house. So he's basically the new governor. He forgot about the goodness of God. He was not a godly man. He was a very evil, corrupt, tyrant leader. And what he started to pick up in Exodus 1 is that the people of God, they were multiplying. There has always been a thread out on the people of God. Do you understand? 
So as they started to multiply, he started to get really nervous. And he's like, there is too many of these. And if they come up against us, we're gonna lose. So I'm going to have to come up with a plan to really kill off the people of God. And so here's what he did. He started to go in and just drive slave drivers. He really started to oppress them. He started to bring them into slavery. He put them in work gangs. He was just exasperating them. Well, the more he oppressed them, the more they started to populate. I want y'all to know something. The more they oppress us, the more we multiply. You hear me? That was for somebody. Thank you very much. Um, so the more they started to oppress him, the, store, the more they started to multiply. Well, all of a sudden, Pharaoh's getting nervous, and he's over there at the big house, you know, shooting out evil demonic orders. And um, basically, what happens is he goes to the midwives. So back then, y'all, labor and delivery wasn't like it is today. You know, they held on to trees, and they just did what they had to do. And they also had midwives that would sit at their birthing stools if they got there fast enough, and they would help them birth the babies. And so he put out, he called the midwives in. Their names are Sherpa and Pua. I don't get their names either, but anywho, um, these women were powerful. And when he gave them this new order, which was almost like a planned genocide, it was like, hey, y'all go ahead and do this. Let's not ruffle up the people. Let's just call out a genocide. So every time you're sitting at a birthing stool and there's a boy born, I want you to just kill him. Now, who's a labor and delivery nurse in here? Could you imagine? Could you imagine? So these precious, precious women said, mm-mm, we not listen to an evil, corrupt government. We fear God, and that's going to be a hard no. Thank you, Sherpa and Pua. I pray that spirit rises up in us, that we become women that defy what is placed on us to obey God. They did that. And so then he says, come back over here. They're multiplying by the masses. What is happening? And he said, oh, the Hebrew women, they're vigorous. The people of God, the women of God, us mamas, we're vigorous. And so he said, they're not like the Egyptian women. The babies are born before we get there. And so basically he said, all right, well, plan two, that's not gonna work. And so what he decided to do is put out a decree and an edict, and he said, every single boy that's born to a Hebrew woman has to be thrown into the Nile River to die. Now, I don't know if you know anything about the Nile River, but my spiritual daughter just got back from Africa, and um, the Nile River is dangerous, and it's also known today that the African people that want it in their life, I'll hold space for that, I say that with all honesty and respect, um, they just go to the Nile and they jump in because there is a circle of alligators and rhinos and hippos waiting to just take you out. It is known there that it's a one-shot deal. You jump in the river, the rivers will take you out. So he says, every baby boy that you see Throw them in the Nile River. Now, mamas, can, can, let's just go back for a second. They're no different than us. We just live in a different time. And the more I read this story, it's like, there's nothing new under the sun. So a death decree was put out on every Hebrew boy born to a Hebrew woman. And then enters Jochebed, and she's like, mm, not me. Nope, that's not gonna work. So I'd like to really read Exodus 2, that's the landscape. I'm gonna jump into the story real quick. And this packs, there's 10 verses that pack a major punch. And I wanna read it to you really quick. And then I wanna share with you the very things that I feel like God asked me to share with you. And I really, really, really wanna dive into her life. And I wanna see what it is that she did to raise such a hero in the, hero in the faith that you and I, mamas, can emulate today. Y'all ready? Let's dive in. Exodus 2, one through 10. A man from the family of Levi married a Levite woman, and the woman became pregnant and had a son. 
She saw that there was something special about him and she hid him. She hid him for three months. Now let's stop right there. So basically what she said is, I know everybody else is scared. I know everybody else is gonna accept this death decree that was placed on our child. But little bitty Jochebed said, "Mm -mm, not me. And she decided to hide her baby. Now let me give you a little bit of context. They don't have houses like we do with like extra rooms and basements and stuff, you know, like they didn't have that. They had little bitty huts and she's sitting around and I can only imagine what their community looked like, very different from ours. And what it took for her to take this baby, knowing that she's risking her entire life and the life of her family to hold on to this boy and go, I know you put a death sentence on my baby, (laughs) but the gates of hell will not prevail. And she took that baby and she hit him. And I cannot imagine the anxiety if he cried. Now her husband Amram was off slave driving because they were still very oppressed. They were in absolute persecution. They were in slavery at the worst degree. Here's another thing, y'all. Can I just say this? We don't know persecution yet. Yet. I have a deep understanding that there's more countries than we can ever imagine that are hiding underground to hold on to a Bible. Like, you know how many people would die to be in a room like this right now? They're dying for their faith, and we here in America have access to anything and everything God has for us, and we still making excuses. And I'm here to tell you right now, we're not at the hour where we have to die for our faith, but we got to start living for it because we might have to. You with me? We got to show our kids how to defy a corrupt government and stand for God. Because let me tell you something, mamas, the modern day church is being built in us right now and the gates of hell will not prevail. But it takes us partnering with God. God will do his part, but he needs us. And Jochebed brought him. The little bit that she had was her faith. And it's so funny when God speaks to us, he's like, all I'm looking for is a little mustard seed. It's not much. Just give me something. With God, any story you've ever seen that I've ever been inspired about, it is always a partnership with God. It is God doing, here's another thing about God. I love this. As he parents me, I'm able to parent my children. The last thing he does is enable his children. He'll never do for them what we are called to do for ourselves. And so he looked at Jochebed and he said, you're gonna have to go on a faith journey with me. And here's what I love about what I saw is you see this woman, she's looking around at her camp and I'm certain every mama is folding. Fear will make you fold. Faith will make you rise. But that girl wasn't looking to the left, honey, and she wasn't looking to the right. She sat down in her little bitty hut, and she started crying out to her God. She started asking him for ingenuity. Because when you start crying out to God, he'll give you God-given ideas that'll, hey, that's what I'm praying for in your children. That they'll be in a boardroom and flip the script for God. That whatever it is that God's called them to, they're going in there with an assignment. Because listen, the same death decree that was placed on that little boy has been placed on our children. Nothing new under the sun. So little bitty Queenie, let me go right here. She's sitting in her little bitty house where I can imagine very little. Y'all, we have way more than they could have ever. And what she did, she's got something to teach us today. She hadn't looked to the left and the right. I just, in my spirit, I just see her crying out to God, praying, grieving her loss wailing before God going, this isn't fair. But here's what she did. She grieved all of that. She cried out to mamas, it is time that we heal and deal. Now we don't like to talk about that because the world's trying to tell us the past is the past. The past has your gold. Because if you don't heal from it, 
And if you deny it, your children will have to define it. And what you minimize, it'll be maximized in their life. God has so much. And so I can imagine her sitting there crying out to God going, this is not fair. And listen, mamas, I look at you. Some of your situations are not fair. Life's not fair. I started telling my kids at two years old, life's not fair. Because it's not. We live in a broken, fallen world. People are broken. They're going to hurt us. But the truth is, is we really have to look back at our past and allow God to really heal because people have been unfaithful to us. We're imposing that onto God. This is critical that you hear me on this. I've had injured faith. People have let me down and been a constant reminder that I took that because everyone else was unfaithful to me. I thought God was going to be unfaithful. It's just what we do. Another thing too is you'll impose onto your children what was never theirs if you don't heal. Go back and look at your faith and where it was injured and go on a journey with God to heal and deal. That's the greatest gift you can give your children. I mean that. Then you wonder where her trust came in to be able to trust God at the magnitude that she trusted God. Like it is beyond me, but obedience comes from trust. A lot of us, listen, we weren't taught that. We didn't have stable fathers teaching us what this looked like. And so there comes a point where you have to come as an adult and go, okay, I didn't get what I needed in this life by broken, fallen people, but I'm not going to let it hinder me from God. God is missing out on us because people have failed us. Just because people have failed us, he has not. You hearing me? I'm done. The greatest gift you can give your children is reconciling your past. Seriously. So then you see her sitting down, just making this little bitty basket. You know what she was making? A little bitty ark. I have to wonder who sat that baby down one day and told her about Noah. I don't know if you know about Noah in the story of Genesis, but the Lord was sick and tired of that evil, corrupt world. And he whispered to Noah and that man had radical obedience too. And he was willing to go against the grain like Jochebed. And he said, Hey, build an ark and get your people in it. And y'all take off. I'm telling you. Thank God he had the ability to obey because he's standing out there looking like a dang fool. Everybody's scoffing. Mamas, to raise godly, wise, world-changing kids, the world's gonna think you've lost your mind. Keep banging, girl. They're not supposed to look like the world. I'm so sick and tired of us Christians blending in. We've gotta stand up, stand out, look different, be light and salt. We're not supposed to look like them. You're supposed to sit down with your kid and go, you're right, baby, you're set apart. It's not supposed, I don't care what this one and that one's doing. We are the people of God. And if the world's going this way, we're going that way. We're supposed to look different. It's who we are. I knew I had a witness. So she's building her little bitty basket. And, and, and again, I'm so enamored that somebody must have told her about Noah and how God was faithful to Noah and that he came through and he protected him and his people in the ark. And so was she inspired by that story? Mamas, we got to get out of these false narratives. We so inundated with all this information. We got the news on. This is what our children are listening. Pull this thing out. Every morning, seek first the kingdom of God so all things can be added. Tell them the stories that they're going to have to go back to. The real housewives, the who the frick ever, ain't it? They're not taking us anywhere. Get in the word of God. You have a limited amount of time to impart truth. It's the truth of the word of God that sets us free. And our kids need the truth now more than ever because they are inundated with more lies than they can even try to reconcile with. Mamas, this is on you. Nobody's coming for you to do this. This is your job. It's your responsibility. 
the ability to respond to what God's asked you to do. So she's sitting there and I'm just enthralled that she's going against the grain. She's not following other mamas. She don't care what they do and they're losing their babies because they're folding to fear. She said, "Uh uh-uh, not me. Somebody told me God came through for Noah. I'm gonna build my little bitty basket. She builds this basket and when she could hide him no longer, what did she do? She placed him in this boat made of papyrus and waterproof. It was tar pitched and she placed the child in it. Then she set it afloat to the reeds of the edge of the Nile River. Now I just told y'all how deadly the river was, but God gave her ingenuity. And he said, come on, Queenie, it's time. You gotta let him go. And you gotta trust my providence. And mamas, I'm gonna say this. You might not feel God working. You might not sense him. You might not feel him. You might not see him. It doesn't mean he's not working. It's called the providence of God. He's always working behind the scenes for your good and his glory. Always. So the providence of God was going on. And she's like, all I got is a hope and a prayer. But here is what is absolutely the best part. Y'all ready? Because I have an eight-year-old. In the context, it says she was about eight years old. So he, she had had her son, Aaron, who was also a high priest. And then she had Miriam, who was a prophetess. And you're about to clearly see a warrior. Um, and then she had Moses under the decree. So the other two were born before this edict had come out. And so little bitty Miriam, I can only imagine that she was raised with a mama who stood, a mama that was full of faith, A mama that was telling her kids about the promises of God. A mama that was walking the walk, talking the talk. Listen, those kids, they'll walk like you. They'll talk like you. They'll dress like you. They are watching us. And there's way more caught than there is taught. (laughs) They're watching us. So that little girl, she looked at her and she looked at her. She said, baby, okay, here's your moment. Mama's going to put him in the, in the river. And I just want you to follow down the reed and just, just chase your brother and make sure he's okay. Mama's going to be over here because I can't come. It'll be too obvious. But I'm going to come back over here and Mama's going to be praying. And I have an eight-year-old. I, that girl put her shoulders back. She went up against the reed. I'm certain she had some whatever she had. But she had faith like her mama. She had courage like her mama. She had boldness like her mama. She said, there's been a death decree placed on my brother and I got a part to play and I'm gonna step on in. And this little bitty baby girl went all the way down the river with her brother in his little bitty ark. And then all of a sudden, here's what's interesting. Pharaoh's daughter, you know, the evil tyrant, corrupt governor who tried to kill this baby, his daughter. So you can imagine, let me give you a little context. She was raised in corruption. I mean, if she saw a Hebrew baby, she was trained and raised to knock the basket over. That's a Hebrew baby. He goes in the knot. See, the providence of God and the prayers of a mama preceded Pharaoh to show up, her, the daughter in her whatever, and she's going to take a little bath with all her healing properties and whatever she was doing. And it said that there was compassion in her heart. And she was moved when she heard the baby cry. And inevitably, if you look at this logically, she should have just killed the baby like her dad instructed, but she didn't. And she grabbed the baby. Well, here you got Miriam, warrior junior. She's looking around. She's waiting for her moment. When Pharaoh pops up and hears the baby crying, Miriam inserts herself and she goes, I know a Hebrew woman that can can nurse this baby. So the Pharaoh's daughter said, okay, perfect. Send her and tell her I'll pay her. I could start dancing. He blesses obedience. It's faith in action. Faith without works, dead. 
We bought under the lie of fatalism and fantasism. It's gonna be what it's gonna be. We're hoping for the best. Girl, if you're raising heroes in the faith, that's not gonna work. God says, you get up and you partner with me. You do your part and I will do mine and miracles are born. So the very river that she placed him in that was supposed to kill her, it delivered him. And do you know, don't miss this, that baby was born into slavery and he was the one that went and let her people out of slavery. Mamas, you do not know whose lunch you're packing. You do not know whose diaper you're changing. You do not know who you're driving to 500 soccer practices where you feel like that. I don't know about y'all, but I want to drag my kids to the ear doctor. They can't hear. I say the same thing over and over. That man too. Sometimes I look at that frying pan that I'm cooking out of and I'm like, I'm about to wake this house up. That's my flesh, y'all. You sweet little men, listen. I'm about to say something really inappropriate. Close your ears. Y'all want to play hide the weenie more? Get in the kitchen and help a woman out, okay? You are welcome. There's nothing sexier. Jesus. You heard that, Big Pop? He's going to turn redder than his hair. So listen. Right time, right place. She gets her baby back. I said this in the last one and my spiritual dad didn't think it was funny. The milkshakes brought the baby back to the yard, y'all. I said, that's, when I was a hood rat, that's the song I would listen to. My milkshake, my milkshake took me to the wrong places. Okay, um, we needed a laugh. It was getting heavy. Here's what I want you to hear. She got him back for a limited amount of time. It was limited. Because back in the day, you nursed your babies for two to five years. So if he was three months, he came back to her. Let's say the longest she had was five years. Now, scientifically, you've kind of, their their personalities are actually created by then. There's a lot that's wrote on the slate of who they are. Nothing God can't redeem. This is all about conviction, which leads us to God. There's no condemnation in Christ Jesus. But she gets him back and she gets to nourish him. But here's what wrecked me is what did she do with the time God gave her? And mamas, I need you to hear this. We think time's a thief. We think we have a lot of time. We do not. We have a limited amount of time to impart, to teach, to train, to raise up, to speak truth. The world is trying to tell him a much different narrative. And here's what I want you to know. There's no other job that's, not, that's given to us that is more imperative. When I drop my son off, he's almost 14 years old. He plays competitive soccer, and I'm sending him out to some boys that I don't know what they're watching, what they're texting, what they're looking at, what they're doing. Bless his little heart, he doesn't have a phone yet. It's a battle we talk about, but it's my job to protect my boy. I'm not taking something from him. I'm preserving my righteous seed. And I tell him every day, we're set apart. We go on against the grain. We're not supposed to look like the world. But I don't know what he's seeing, what he's experiencing, what's going on. So before he ever gets out of the car, I look at him and I go, you are set apart. You're the righteousness of God in Christ, Eli. You're the head and not the tail. You're a man of great integrity. You've got character like I've never seen. The Holy Spirit abides in you. You are wise beyond your years. You go and shine your light. If I'm not important truth, I don't know what to tell you, but they're sure not. 
Mamas, here's another thing. If you don't have it for yourself, you can't give it away. You got to get with God. You got to start dispelling the lies that you're living under and allow God to speak truth over you. And then we got to start owning it and believing it and claiming it and walking in it and living it. Because that little Miriam, she walked and talked like her mama. She was brave like her mama. Listen, there's power in proximity. I'm going to be honest with you. I got more DNA of my spiritual dad than I do my own family. We laugh about it because the proximity, so much has been transferred into me. Raise your kids in the house of God. Place them here. Listen, I have more parents tell me they didn't want to go. Like he said, it's not an option. You got a limited amount of time, mama. What are you doing with the time that God's given you? Here's another thing, y'all. Woke me up at 328 about a week ago in the morning. I pop up and I had to document it so I didn't miss it. And I really want to share this with you. I got to read my notes. You ready? We have a responsibility to not only teach them, but to train them. Now, follow me really quick. They're different. Teaching and training are two very different things, but they're very vital, okay? And this is what the Lord gave me. He said, Haley, there's a difference. Both are vital. Training them is to prepare them. It's to instruct them. It's to pour your life into them. It's to discipline them. If we don't discipline them, the world will. This takes great commitment and great intentionality. And I promise you, listen to me, you have to say no to say yes to this kind of work. You have to. It's gonna cost you everything. Listen, mamas, we know that sacrificial love. Every day we are sacrificing ourselves for someone who can never pay us back. When I hear that though, I go, I couldn't be closer to Christ. That's me, that's him. You've got to count the cost. You've got to say no to say yes to this type of intentional parenting. So then he said, Haley, we can teach our kid what is right, but if we neglect to train them, the world will. Train your child in the way that they should go and they will not depart from it, Proverbs 22, 6. And so here again, she releases him. So her time's up. And I don't want you to, because everything that I told you Moses did, here's what's so cool about Moses. Moses was a deliverer. He's not the deliverer. Who's the deliverer? Jesus Jesus Christ. But he was a deliverer. And here's what I find so fitting that the Lord showed me. He said, in the Old Testament, Moses was a deliverer. And he was born into slavery and he was the one that went and delivered the people out of slavery. Now that's very foretelling if we're looking at it from the New Testament, because in the New Testament, our deliverer is Jesus Christ. Moses is only the one compared as a deliverer to Jesus. To Jesus, not the deliverer, a deliverer. Moses delivered the people out of bondage. Jesus came to deliver the bondage out of people. Could it be, mamas? Could it be that God's asking us to get on the front? Nobody's gonna war for you kids. I thank God that woman got on her knees. Mama, I honor you. She knew there was going to be a pass off. She didn't have what it took to finish the job, but she went before the Lord, just like Jochebed went before the Lord. And Jochebed said, God told Jochebed exactly what to do. And she was able to pass him off to Pharaoh. And listen, he provided everything Moses needed in that season to really go on. You see the evidence of what he got from Pharaoh. You also see the evidence more loud and clear than what he got from that faith filled mama. 
the passing off is very vital in my life. But I want to tell you a very, very personal story. So Pastor Jacob and Miss Michelle had five sons. She always longed to have a daughter. And when they hit the five, they were like, all right, this is it. And so I'm certain she wrestled with God and she healed and did what she had to do. And so they're raising their five boys. And I'll tell you, when I came into the scene, the boys were young. I mean, Miss Michelle was in the trenches of motherhood. Pastor Jacob was building the church for the gates of hell won't prevail. Mamas, we build in the modern day church. I'm gonna say it over and over and over again. And the gates of hell will not prevail over our children. There has been a death decree placed over our children's life. And the only thing that's in the way is us. Lioness, take your seat. So she always longed for a little bitty girl. So they're building the house and you see her. Danielle and I watched her raise those kids. And again, for some of us that needed to see what a healthy family and a godly mama and a godly wife looked like, she was a picture of that. And so she's raising these boys and he's out, you know, rescuing hood rats like me and Donald. We joke all the time. We're now business partner, best friends. But we laugh because Eric and Danielle are very conservative in their right. And me and Donald, we look in a double down on everything. So when we talk about a business deal, I'm like, let's double down. Donald's like, yeah. And they're like, hold on, y'all calm down. I said, thank God we weren't running before we met Christ. It'd have been bad. So I'll never forget this woman. It was Amberly's biological grandmother. And she'd sit on the first pew in that Broussard church. I'll never forget her. And what she did is she lived a life of complete brokenness. Her children were walking in brokenness. But that woman showed up to church every time the doors opened. Listen, grandmothers, you've got a vital part to play. We need your prayers. The prayers of the righteous availeth much. I love the story of Paul and Timothy and how Paul looks over at Timothy and he goes, you wouldn't have what you blessed me by building the church if it wasn't for Lois and Eunice. Get about that story too. Woo! So that grandmother sits right here and she's dragging that grandbaby with her. She's hoping that God he'll come through for her daughter, but it, it doesn't happen. And so the need is there and the grandmother comes and petitions them every chance she gets, literally will walk right before he goes to preach. And she's like, my little, my little Amberly, I'm praying for a miracle. Can y'all pray with me, pray with me, pray with me. And so one day they just heeded the call. They were like, well, we'll just love on her. We'll take her into our family. We'll let her, we'll take her on vacations. They were just being the church to her. That's what I love. You, I don't know that I would have taken my foster daughter if you didn't model that for me. You showed me what it was like. My parents too, my parents had a foster child. I had a foster brother my entire life. And the closer I get, I realize that y'all pioneered that for me. Um, and I thank you for that. So they're just being the church. And then all of a sudden, one faithful day, her mom shows up. And she shows up with her four-year-old daughter and they're sitting right there on the front pew. And Miss Michelle's just praising and doing what she's doing. And Kimberly runs over to Miss Michelle and she looks at her. And Amberly can tell you this right now. She remembers her words. She's looking up at the mama who birthed her and the one she was about to be passed off to. And that mama looked up at Miss Michelle and she goes, I can't do this anymore. I can't take care of her. This is too hard. Y'all want her? Miss Michelle didn't have to think about it because faith in action, he commands us to care for the orphan and the widow and to feed the poor. Not would you maybe, it's a command by God. It's a byproduct of faith and I love that. 
And so little do you know, that little girl became their daughter and she got the answer to her prayer. They also, listen, there's a generation of women that have just bailed on their daughters. And the church here, we daughters, we need to rise up and become mothers and partner with God to give back to these women what they so desperately need in Christ and in a spiritual family. Daughters, I'm telling you, it's time to rise up and be spiritual mamas. These girls need you in the house. You get to fill the gap. You get to bridge it. Me and Ann were walking the other day. We meet every week. She's one of my spiritual daughters. And it's never lost on me what they poured into me that God would use me to go pour back to them. You don't know what you're pouring in that's gonna come back and bless your life. Everything is eternal, mamas. And so we're walking the other day and actually I, I wanna give reverence to this. We all look at the gain Amberly got, but there was a massive loss. She went through some things in those four years that she's gonna take to her grave. It was some hurt. And God would appoint me to take her on a journey. And I said, honey, it's time to heal and deal. If we don't deal with your past, it's gonna hinder your future. Let's go. And I took her on a deep, deep, deep journey. And so the other day we were walking. She called me. She's like, let's hang out. I said, well, I got some steps to get in. So meet me to the sugar milk palm. We're gonna pack some, we're gonna pound the pavement. We're gonna talk. So we talking like we do. And she said, who are you talking about on Sunday? And I said, oh, I'm so glad you asked. Because when God gave me this story, he brought her story to me. And he said, Haley, there comes a point in every mother's life where she's got to pass off. And so from a healed place, I probably wouldn't have said this years ago, but I looked over at her and I said, as I was, I was digging in Jacobed's story, I was so reminded of yours. I said, that day that your mama passed you off, she couldn't have loved you better. That was the greatest act of love. She said, I can't do for you what I know they can. And this isn't about me, but I'm going to pass them off to give you a life I never could mamas, we got to know when to let go. God's provision, it's not all us. He will provide exactly what they need for every season. You hear me? And then lastly, so what am I enamored by? Her faith, her trust. And lastly, she left a spiritual legacy, an absolute legacy. And I am convinced that she was long gone before she ever saw the faithfulness of God in her legacy. And here's what I want to leave you with. And I have to come back to my notes because this is exactly what he asked me to leave you with. And I want you to hear this. Jacobed, she was a slave's wife in a foreign country under a tyrant and corrupt evil ruler. And she birthed against all odds the very boy that would have the same courage that she did to save an entire nation. The bravery, the faith, and the radical obedience that she showed, showed, sowed, sowed into the life of her boy is exactly what she reaped in him. So I'll ask you today, what are you sowing? We reap what we sow. It's the irrefutable law of sowing and reaping. You get back what you sow. Here's the cool thing about God. If you don't like what you sowing, start a new garden. Sow some new seeds. If you're the first generation in the faith, hallelujah. If it's not you, who would it be? Jacobed really partnered with God to fulfill the promise that he made to Abraham. He said, I'm going to bless you and I'm going to give you descendants that will be more than the numbers of the stars in the sky. Jacobed's radical faith, trust, and obedience in God partnered with God to see his promise. And the truth is the same is true for us. God wants us to partner with us. We live in a lost, dying, broken world, and we are in need of children that will stand on the promises of God. Mamas, it's on us. It's our job.
Lastly, I want you to know this from the bottom of my heart. Your children will, your children's passion for Christ, your children will carry the spiritual passion that you have for Christ. Let passion, let faith arise in you. And here's another thing. There's a lie of the enemy that tells us what we do is so insignificant and small and that we don't matter. And that's not true. And here's what I'll leave you with. We have to stop buying into the lie that we're small and insignificant and that what we do does not matter. It holds the greatest weight. It matters. It holds weight. And the Bible is full of little small people who inspire me, who had an impact bigger than anything the world ever saw coming. Jochebed literally held the answers an entire nation needed. Her faith was the foundation of Moses' calling. And mamas, your faith is the foundation of your children's calling. I'll leave you with this. The destiny of a nation hung on Jochebed's actions. Could the destiny of our nation be hanging on our actions? Mamas, may you rise and may your children rise and call you blessed. Thank you.